I mean, when you're talking Catholic churches, you can't have one without a bar. They go together. I'm Anne McNamee-Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Laps. A podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we're talking about Advent and Christmas. It's a holiday episode. The reason for the season. (laughs) Just a reminder as we go into the show to follow us on social. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Laps Podcast. We have a Facebook page. Follow us. Message us comment we love to hear from you rate and review on apple Podcasts. we love that too we do we get very excited we really do we text each other (laughs) it's a whole thing (laughs) so catholicism in the news i didn't want to do too too much this episode but i have one little tidbit i'm going to frame it as this is like an early christmas present for you stuff because it's oh i find it an enjoyable bit of of Catholicism in the news. Great. Did you see the recent coverage of an Instagram post from Britney Spears? No. You're the Britney correspondent of this team. <laughs> Just keeps coming up. Listen, <laughs> my relationship to Britney is similar to Dolly Parton. Like I was never, never had strong feelings. Now suddenly I'm like, I have good feelings about Britney. Oh yeah. I'm growing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was an Instagram post, but it was text. She had written it in her notes app and then posted it. It's very train of thought as Brittany. She's want to is, do. I was just going to say <laughs> is want to do. So it's this brain dump that Brittany does. When I tried to look it up on Instagram, I think it might be gone by now, but I found the text screenshots because people were covering it quite a bit. So it's she's going on this train of thought thing. She's talking about Kevin Hart is funny, like just sort of random things. Or her. And then she talks about shopping. She said, I've been sneaking over to the mall to shop. I usually do everything online, but I like seeing the Christmas trees up and kids waiting in line to take pictures with Santa. Embarrassing parents come out of line with their babies wanting to take a pic with me. So I walk really fast past that line. I do love shopping, though. Who doesn't? So she's, you know, good for you, Brittany. She's getting out there. This t- she's able to right leave her house if she wants. Good for her. Then she says, I do love shopping, though. Who doesn't? Do we dare forget the Diane Sawyer interview in my apartment almost 20 years ago? I forget it. Yeah. So I looked this up. Uh, I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I read some excerpts from it. It sounds like Diane Sawyer kind of treating Brittany, frankly, how we were all treating Brittany at this time, right? Asking mm-hmm. her why she's dressing the way she is, telling her she's a bad influence on girls. Instead of seeing her as a child who is being manipulated and framed and yeah. Mm -hmm. And really encouraged by an entire team of men, mostly, including her father, to to present herself in this way. Correct. The question of, is she even getting a choice in these things? Really, it's all on her, right? Her manager isn't there. Her dad isn't there. It's all questions about, why are you doing this? And then I guess she had just broken up with Justin Timberlake, and Diane Sawyer like kind of suggests she was mean to him, and God. like a grown woman kind of bullying a teen girl for being too sexy, because that's how she's being sold journalism at its finest i guess diane sawyer had kind of made a dig about her liking to shop which she's a teenage girl well yeah and if people would like to shop that's their business 
She's a working woman as a teenager and making yeah. tons of money. So if she has paparazzi taking pictures of her all the time, who wouldn't want to? Sh- I mean, you're going to be judged by your clothes. You might as well buy some decent clothes. And this is before online shopping 20 years ago. So she says, what was the quote, you're in the wrong approach? Jeez. And making me cry because yeah, Brittany cried. Like she bullied Aww. her to the point of crying in this interview. She says, seriously, though. I lived in my apartment for a year and never spoke to anyone. My manager put that woman in my home and made me talk to her on national television. And she asked me if I had a shopping problem. When did I have a problem with shopping? When I never left my apartment? Something I never shared when I had that big breakup years ago was that I couldn't talk afterwards. I never spoke to anyone for a very long time. Sorry, this is long. I was in shock. Pretty lame of my dad and three men to show up at my door when I could hardly speak. Two days later, they put Diane Sawyer in my living room. They forced me to talk. I was a baby. I was almost 22 and didn't understand. But I... This is edited, but I think she uses an expletive, (laughs) but I know now. She said a woman or girl. Okay, here it comes. I would like to say now, quote, ma'am, I'm a Catholic slut. Whoa. Followed by three exclamation points. You want to join me at a mass and I can serve your husband my certificate on shopping for anonymous players. Uh, And then this keeps going on about shopping and money. But she's a Catholic slut. Yeah, I want to highlight the Catholic slut. (laughs) Yeah. And something about going to mass. Listen, I don't know what it means, but good for you. That's how you're identifying. She gets to choose. I mean, it feels like she's reclaiming the baby one more time image. Yeah, I I, I get that. <laughs> she's Catholic and she still likes to dress sexy and hey, good for her. Loving it. So I don't understand the Catholic thing, but it keeps coming up. Yeah. It seems to be what she's doing now. I'm loving it. Thank you for that. I'm not sure about the certificate of shopping and anonymous players part but i'll take i'll take what i can get no one seems to know i scoured the internet to figure out what the heck she was talking about and no one knows okay (laughs) but everyone's just kind of like you know what you go Brittany. yeah very proud of you i'm not clear if her fiance is catholic and that's why she converted or if Mm. it was just her own personal thing i don't know but she's here now she's here she's redefining what it means to be catholic she's a catholic slut and i'm loving it so there's like a lot of catholicism in the news i wanted to bring up the first thing i want to tell you about is my husband He likes to listen to podcasts as he goes to sleep. So he was recently listening to our podcast. So I'm like trying to sleep, but I can like hear our voices through his headphones. Like this is very strange. Very disconcerting. So he's listening and then he decides to text me. He goes, I have a correction for you. He likes to do this after he listens. Back checker. He wants us to know that there was a third person who ascended into heaven. This is after our Mary podcast. And I was like, what? And he said, Elijah, the prophet. Oh. And also another prophet, Enoch. Apparently everyone ascended. It was just like a thing people did. It's just a, a party up there. But he, I go, how do you know this? Were you reading the Bible? Were you secretly raised Protestant? And he just <laughs> laughed. He said, no. He went to a school called Notre Dame up until high school. Then he went to public school. So he was a Catholic school baby, just like you. Mm-hmm. And he said there was a kid named Elijah in his class, and he made sure everyone knew. <laughs> You take what you can get at that age, you know? You're like, hey, check me out. I can't stop picturing this, like, kindergarten Elijah being like, um, <laughs> did you know that this Elijah ascended into heaven too? Like, and just really playing that for points with people. Which is probably information he got from his Catholic grandma. Right? Who was really stoked about it. It's like, just just in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> um, ascended into heaven, which means I might too. I could go flying into the sky at any moment. Just right? Just saying. <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. So Catholic update. There are more than just the two people who ascended. And just for Elijah, who went to Notre Dame, we are making the clarification for you here today on our podcast. Elijah, if you're out there, we hear you loud and clear. (laughs) I love it so much. Um, And then, I don't know, we saw that... Natalie Beckhardt became the undersecretary at the Vatican. I don't know if you saw that. I saw something about that, but tell me more. She's the first woman ever who gets the right to vote at the Synod? Synod? Synod. Synod. I knew I, I was think not we decided it was Synod. Man, well, we got one. One. One woman. Mm-hmm. So that's our. that's another Christmas present. There we go. <laughs> Presents under our proverbial tree. Exactly. And of course, there's more going on. But this is the Christmas episode. And at Christmas, we talk about nice things. I mean, we try. We sure try. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get into it. Christmas. So what do you remember? Where, how did you celebrate Christmas? I will say, in terms of Catholic Christmas stuff, the stuff that really sticks with me the most is actually when I was really young, like in first or second grade, when we were at St. Thomas More before we moved. It's a beautiful church, and it just felt like that was the time that I remember the church just feeling very magical and transformed. The church we moved to after that, I had lots of reasons I didn't feel connected to that church, but also it wasn't very pretty. I remember getting there and being like, oh, it was built in like the 70s, I think. It was just like, oh, this is a church, you know? Mm-hmm. Tommy Moore was built, I think, in the 50s. Definitely has like a mid-century vibe. It's beautiful. And just lots of ornate art on the walls. Stained glass, but also like paintings. Mm -hmm. And just all the Christmas, the advent wreath, and then all the greenery they would put up. The pastor would, this was a big deal every year, he would create a life-size nativity out of mannequins. Oh, oh. Life-size. Looked like people. Wow. Yeah. They were white people mannequins. Wow. So... Not accurate. No. What nativity scene is? <laughs> he was an artist. He like played piano. He also did drawings of a lot of like Virgin Mary Ooh. or like mother and child stuff. But yeah, one of his art things was that he made this very ornate mannequin nativity. I never saw him making it, but just like the image of him like putting a wig on a mannequin Ooh. of Mary and, and it had real hay and everything. And it was lit up. So we would go see that at night at some point. Everyone would ooh and ah over it. Right. So there was one year in particular. I was in second grade. And I have a distinct memory. It must have been a couple weeks before Christmas. I was at home and the phone rang. My mom was out somewhere. So it was my dad and me and my brother. Mm-hmm. And I answered the phone and it was a woman's voice. She said, is this Annie? And I was like, yes. And she did not say who she was. And she just said, oh, like, what are you? She sounded kind of older. And she said, well, what are you know, what are you doing? And are, and I was like, oh, we're just watching TV. And I kind of figured it was like a relative. She said, is your mom there? And I said, no, my dad's here, but he's in the other room with Steven. And she said, who's Steven? And I remember having this panic. And I was like, there's a stranger on the phone who does not know who my brother is, which means this is not a relative. And I was so confused. Right. And so I said, uh, my brother. And she said, oh, yeah, right. That's right. Uh, can you put your dad on the phone? So I was very confused. I put my dad on the phone and he he looked kind of skeptically I will say right and he hung up and he said that was your teacher from last year that was sister Gemma what so I had just put my dad on the phone with a nun which I think just brought up a lot of stuff for him he was like no never (laughs) do that again who kept away from the church after a nun from I don't think she had taught when he was there but why was she calling you 
So he talked to my mom afterwards. The reason was that the artist priest, who was the pastor, had an image in his head that he wanted four or five little girls to walk the baby Jesus up Uh, in procession at midnight mass. So he had asked this teacher if she knew of some girls who she thought would be good at it and like not break stuff or, you know, who were kind of chill, I guess. He only asked for girls. He had this image in his mind, apparently. So... I was one of the chosen. So I went. I remember going with my mom. My brother wasn't there. And I had to stay up super late because it was midnight mass. I'd never been to a midnight mass. And I showed up. All of us were wearing green velvet dresses with a big collar because this was 1992. And that was the Christmas dress that was in the store. And so now I realize that priest was super conservative, didn't let girls be altar servers. At the time, I just felt really special. Right. You were chosen. Yeah. And I was chosen. He made a joke that I didn't realize I'd told you to wear a uniform because we were like all wearing the same dress. And then he had to choose who was going to do the baby Jesus. And he did an eeny, meeny, miny, mo, but he knew like a different one. It was Mickey Mouse builds a house that we used to do. And he knew it, which we were all like very amazed that father knew this playground thing that we would say. Yeah. I did not get to carry the baby Jesus but I got to walk up in the procession but I do remember that feeling very special just the incense and the music and the lights and proceeding down the aisle bringing the baby Jesus to the manger it just felt like a really big deal oh my general thing with Christmas and Catholicism is that you have to go to mass on Christmas or you're supposed to oh yeah So one day, like, everyone goes. Yeah, everyone goes. But other denominations do not do that. Or they'll do Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. So I remember saying to my husband, oh, this is nice with the kids that we don't have to pack them up after opening presents and go to church. We can just hang out in our PJs and he was like you had to leave your Santa presents and get dressed in itchy clothes and go to church right then and I was like yes he was like that sounds horrible we always went on Christmas Eve on Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. yeah we used to go on Christmas Day and I think I wanted to go on Christmas Eve I think it probably depended on like what the church was offering Mm -hmm. what about you what were your Christmases like I always remember the Christmas season is my favorite time to go to church because it's the prettiest (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right? It's all kind of dark and there's lots of candles and really pretty flowers. It's like the opposite of Lent. Right. Lent is austere. It's so scary. Everything is very violent and terrifying. And Advent's like, and there's joy and hope and, oh, this is so pretty. I loved being there. It felt nice to the be there. The music is the best it's that the time best. of year. If the church was like that all the time, I feel like I would be more into it, but it's not. I just need a little bit more beauty, I guess. I don't know. So I remember like really enjoying that time Mm -hmm. because we moved all the time. We always came to my extended family here and like actually where I live now in Western Pennsylvania for Christmas. So like this is Christmas land for me. Oh, I love that. So we never went to like our church. We always came to the church my dad grew up in. So It's this really cool area around here where the steel mills were. It's where all the immigrants were. And so there is a Catholic church on literally almost every corner. Most of them are closed now, but there was the Polish Catholic church, the Italian Catholic church, the Slovak. Everyone had their own nationality Catholic church. We were actually, at that point, 
they were like in the Guinness Book of World Records for like the most bars and churches per capita, which is a really cool thing to have going for you. I mean, when you're talking Catholic churches, you can't have one without a bar. They go together. So we went to St. Anne's all the time and which I like St. Anne's because it was very different than any other church I've ever been to. It was like all painted in pastel colors inside as opposed to like dark and stained glass and lots of reds and I was just like pinks and light blue and yellow. It was really bright in there. It was the Slovak one. My dad had been an altar boy there and my grandma always went there. She went there like every day for the rosary and we had to get there really, really early because of course everyone comes Christmas and my family, I think I've mentioned this before, my dad's the oldest of 12. So with like spouses and children, we took up the first five or six rows of the church and my grandmother like had to sit in the front. Mm. So we would get there like an hour, hour and a half before church. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Sometimes. Save your seats. Had to save your seats. The best part. I feel kind of bad for putting this on our podcast, but I have to because it's part of the experience. The choir was a lot of older people Mm -hmm. and their voices were not um, great. (laughs) I'm familiar with such a choir. Kind of atrociously bad. (laughs) So you'd get ready for like, yeah, this is going to be the good, you know, good church music. And it was just like cracking voices. And you're just like having a hard time not laughing through a lot of it. Especially when you're with like all your cousins. That's. The hardest thing when you're in mass with people. Oh, ridiculous. Crawling all over the place, just children everywhere. And there was always somebody chosen to bring the baby Jesus down. There you go. The baby Jesus is a big deal. Baby Jesus, big deal. Later that church closed because they're poor attendance. So we had to start going to the Italian church across the street. That priest always was like, the, the town is called Feral. And he'd always say, today... The Lord is born in the town of Farrell. And I was always just like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I think that's where he was born, though. <laughs> Did you check out his birth certificate? He was born here. Too. I was like, no, no. <laughs> but I don't think any of us ever got to accept for it. And this is sad. But um, one of my uncles was killed in a steel mill accident. Mm-hmm. He was like in his mid-30s. And my little baby cousins, his kids, that Christmas were the ones that brought down the baby Jesus. And I just remember thinking like it was beautiful and it was like, oh man, like, of course that's the logical thing for it to happen. If a tragedy befalls, you are honored by being the one who was chosen to bring the baby Jesus down. It was like purely Catholic logic. Yeah, that's exactly what should happen. It's real Catholic. <laughs> so that was, and then it was, again, all of us going somewhere and non catholic revelry, lots of loudness, lots of drinking, lots of card playing, much more of the uh, pagan rituals of <laughs> feasting <laughs> at that point. I know when my dad was growing up, there was a lot much more Slovak. There was a lot more cabbage involved. And the epiphany was more of a thing, putting your shoes out for the epiphany. But by the time we were around, the Slovak stuff had pretty much faded for the most part. We always had things up with Slovak greetings and Christmas and things like that. Yeah, we had the, I remember my grandma had a big banner that said Merry Christmas in Polish, but those Eastern European, it looks like the same alphabet, but the sounds are different. My grandma spoke a little Polish because at that, it was her grandparents who'd been from Poland. But I remember her saying it as a kid being like, that doesn't look at all like the letters I'm looking at. Are you sure that's what it says, grandma? Just making it up. That's what it seemed like, but 
you know. Also, Saints Days were huge for my grandma. Right. So there was Saint Nick's December oh, yeah. 6th. That was the big it's one. During December, yeah. But I always got bonus Christmas. Do you know why, Anne? Why I particularly would get bonus Christmas? Is it St. Stephen's Day around this time? December 26th is St. Stephen's Day. That's right. I only know that for my research for today. I saw that was like part of the Christmas season. Yeah. The first martyr, baby. <laughs> She always gave all of us $2 on our Saints Day, and I mm-hmm. always got $3. Ooh. Now, maybe because I was the first grandchild, but I also think it was because it was like at Christmas time, so she was splurging. <laughs> $3. Let's go crazy. It's nuts. I was like, $3, baby. I'm a favorite. That was like my bonus Christmas. Extra Christmas. Only for the real Catholics. Only for the St. Stephanies of the world. <sighs> but my sister got St. Nicholas because as we discussed, she's Lindsay. And so she's not a saint and got in trouble when she was named by the priest at baptism. She doesn't have a saint middle name? Her middle name is Nicole. So she got St. Nicholas. There we go. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's a stretch, but you find it. You find the name in there. My grandma wasn't going to let her off without having a saint's day. <laughs> no. Uh, we did do a Polish Christmas or Christmas Eve. I know that there is a big celebration of Christmas Eve in Poland. I don't know enough about it as I probably should, but we would eat pierogies, pierogies, which as a child, I called them, I still call them this, like the bastardization of that word. I thought it was spelled like P-Y-A Duggies, P-A-Duggies. That is how my family said it. Wow. It is only as an adult that I realized that that was how one says it with a Polish accent. (laughs) And that the word was pierogies. I remember reading the word pierogies in a book. I think it was a babysitter's club book and being like, I don't know what that is. Because I didn't know that was spelled that way. Like you've been eating them your whole life. Yeah. And we would do opłatki. Do you know what that is? That sounds familiar. It's a Polish Christmas Eve tradition. It's this sheet that looks and tastes like communion. Oh, yeah. We do that. You do that too. We break it off and give it to other. And it's supposed to be the oldest person or the head of the family offers it to everybody. And we would do that. And we did that for a long time. Like even... A couple years ago. I actually have a lovely memory of my grandma hosting a very small Christmas Eve thing at her little apartment a couple years ago, explaining to my now husband, we were probably engaged at the time, what Opatki is Aww. and offering it to him. It was very sweet. It was like his official entrance into the family. I like that. So yeah, on my mom's side, everything about my grandma, and she was the host for everything, felt mm. very Polish and Catholic. Those things all felt synonymous. Like grandma Polish Catholic was just, that was her whole identity was being Polish and Catholic. My dad's side, I mean, they'd all been raised Catholic, but at that point, mostly none of them were practicing. It wasn't real Catholic-y over there. Do you have any favorite Christmas songs from church? From church specifically. Yeah. The one that like, actually, it still makes me tear up is Oh Holy Night. Oh, that's such a good one. I just think it's, one of the prettiest dang things that has ever been written and it takes my breath away. Like I just, mm-hmm. I love that song. And when people do it well, it, like the word awe, like is, it truly inspires awe. I agree with you. That is an absolutely beautiful one. And a couple of years ago, I just took note of, it has the word oppression in it. Ooh. <laughs> so it says, chain shall we break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. And I was like, that is so badass. Hello. There have been articles going around, like, so I think since last Christmas, that song was related to abolition. It was written around the time of abolition. Get out. I know. I sing things without even knowing what the hell I'm singing about. It's even better now, right? Oh, 
Of course, of course, I, I was drawn to this song. If I could do anything, like make a wish on a lamp or like make a bargain with the devil, the devil. I, I would do whatever I could to be able to sing that kind of song well, like to be able to belt and sing well like that. I, I think it would just be the most amazing experience. <laughs> Are you a singer? I don't even know this about you. No. No, I got kicked out of my chorus because my teacher told me I was bringing everybody else off key. Oh my gosh. Oh, Steph, I'm sorry. Seventh grade. And so I didn't <sighs> sing for many, many years, many, many, many years. So we didn't have music class in my school that I went to starting in fourth grade. I think we had it one year, but mostly they didn't have music class. And that is what I would have been into. Everything was sport. Mm. But I would sing when I could, which sometimes meant there was occasionally an opportunity to sing on Christmas. And around freshman year, I actually joined the church choir and it sounds like the St. Anne's choir. It was all old people in me. Yes. I'm not sure what I was doing exactly. I just wanted to sing. I love that you were there. And there were so few opportunities I talked this other girl into singing with me for a little while this who had moved into the neighborhood who I knew from one of my previous Catholic schools and um, <laughs> it's all right the old people really liked me because I was like this young person showing up did. by myself to like to our rehearsals and stuff I'm ready to sing but between that and then I did choir and the acapella choir in high school is that I know I'm an alto, so I usually don't sing the... The big flashy songs. I can't sing a lot of the really high notes, but I know the alto parts to those songs. And on Christmas, usually now when we've gone to church on Christmas, it's a lot of the same songs across the... Mm -hmm. That's one of the few times I think a lot of the Christians just all sing the same stuff. Oh, because there's the hits. Singing the hits. Yeah. (laughs) So... I will sing the alto parts because there's enough happening that people don't, I don't, I feel like I can blend in. I know the harmonies to a lot of the Christmas songs and it's crazy how they just stick in your brain. And then I'm like, wait, I I know that I know that I'll I'll hear them on the radio even and be like, I know the alto part to this. So what's your favorite church Christmas song? I mean, yeah, they're all great. I was thinking about it before this episode. I I don't know. This is my favorite, but I have a distinct memory. We had a deacon who... I didn't know super well, but he and his wife would sing at Christmas and invite kids to sing with them. They were usually just like a smat, like four of us or something who were interested of the whole in the whole school. But I remember singing Angels We Have Heard on High oh. because I remember his wife told us when you say in excelsis deo to say eggshells because we were all saying it differently. And she was like, you say eggshells. And I was like, oh, okay, in that's handy. I still say eggshells. I don't know if it's correct, but I think of her and her eggshells every time I sing that song. That's a good one. It is a good one. And then there's another one that is so Silent Night, Uh, which everyone knows, a classic, obviously. But there is another song that can be layered on top of that one called Night of Silence. Oh. Do you know? Have you ever heard? I don't think I know Night of Silence. It's sung in a um, call and response. It's like a round, it's sung on top of Silent Night. Oh. Or it can be. That sounds very complex. Oftentimes it'll be like one singer sings Silent Night and then the other one will sing a verse of Night of Silence and they kind of layer on top of each other. They are beautiful. And oh. I believe Night of Silence is in a, is a little lower because I... I just remember I was always singing Night of Silence, not (laughs) Silent Night. It's not one that everyone will sing, obviously. The Night of Silence part is just for the choir or just for a single vocalist. Not for the public. It's not a follow along. It's a a listen. So it would be more like, oh, what's it called? The meditation after communion, where it's just like a listening song. It would often be there either on Christmas or during one of our Christmas masses at high school. And it's really beautiful. Feels very, this whole vibe that we're talking about. It's dark, but there's this hope. That's what it feels like. 
And I was thinking, too, just about all the Christmas stuff was a really big deal in Catholic high school, too, because it felt like the whole school were all celebrating the Christmas stuff. That would be one of the few times where we would all be in mass together. I think it happened twice a year or probably three times. It was probably the beginning and the end of the year and then Christmas. And the only way to get us all in mass together was to have it at the gym. Mm. They would do one or two classes and we would do it in the school's theater, but we couldn't fit all 2000 girls in that theater. So if you really wanted to have an entire school mass, you had to go to the gym. And mass at a gym is an interesting uh, experience, I have to say. (laughs) It's not quite the same vibe. It's not. Yeah, I would always somehow be involved in those masses, either singing or liturgical dance. Did you guys have liturgical dance? No. No? What's liturgical dance? (laughs) It's a lot of like robes and like movement to music. It was like a dance slash theatrical interpretation usually of of whatever we were talking about. I've been to a lot of churches and I've never seen liturgical dance. This was specifically at my high school. Okay. I would say like this doesn't sound necessarily Catholic. That sounds a little too flashy, but I don't know. You know, our theater director, it wasn't very formal. I don't feel like there was like a liturgical dance team. She would just be like, you know, at the end of either rehearsal for whatever play was going on or our theater class be like, hey, you you want to do the dance for the for oh, the mass sure. coming up, right? You want to here, just come down during third period and we're going to rehearse. I need to go see some videos of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're still doing it. I'll see if I can find some clips of liturgical Yes, please. I don't think I have my liturgical dance. Oh, that I would really like to see. <laughs> I don't think that exists. I wore many hats. In- you seemed very involved. I didn't feel that involved, but now that I think about it, I sang some masses sometimes. I did some liturgical dance. I have a distinct memory of, this didn't even work for the Christmas episode, but I think it was for Mastering Lent. We were reenacting the Last Supper. Whoa. So we were being apostles. And I remember this one girl got the bread and she made the sign of the cross. And I was like, no, no, no. We didn't do that yet. The dramaturg in my head was like, that wasn't invented yet. He hasn't even been crucified. It bothered me so much, but I didn't say anything. I didn't feel it was my place. No, she felt, I'm sure she was like really proud of herself. (laughs) Either she was proud of herself or it was just habit. Oh yeah. You get your communion. What do you, that's the first thing you do. Liturgical dance. The music, the liturgical dance, the giant mass in the gym. It was all happening at Christmas time. So. Did you do some research on Christmas? I sure did. I had two lines of questioning that I was curious about. I was curious kind of what the official teachings of the Catholic Church specifically are about Christmas. Like, you know, very Mary-centric, obviously. Right. We love Mary. We know that now. Lots of focus on Mary. And then I was also interested in some myth-busting. What are the things that are sort of popularly understood versus what's actually in the Bible? The Christmas story, quote-unquote, is really like a mishmash of stories from two different books in the Bible. And we've kind of compressed the time frame. It's Luke and Matthew, I believe. That's right. So I first looked at the Catholic Church. The National Catholic Register, who is pretty Catholic-y, let me tell you. (laughs) I found an article from, I should send you a picture of this man. Assumed it was written by a priest. It's not. His picture's at the bottom. It's a guy named Jimmy Aiken. He's wearing a cowboy hat and has a giant beard. All right, Jimmy. You know, I guess priests can have beards, but this guy is not. There's no Roman collar, just a hat. Uh But it sounds like he's pretty intense about being correct when it comes to Catholic doctrine. So he asks, what is the, quote, real meaning of Christmas? You know, it's the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus born in a humble stable into a poor family. Simple shepherds were the first. This is all the catechism. Right. Simple shepherds were the first witness to this event. In this poverty, 
heaven's glory was made manifest. The church never tires of singing the glory of this night. And then there's this whole poem here. So, okay, I'm with you. I mean, yes. Mostly. Number two, he says Christmas is not based on a pagan holiday. Well, that's garbage. I agree. And apparently... Pope Benedict wrote a whole thing about this that that's just it's not true but I did read something recently that kind of said basically every culture and every religion has stuff that happens around the winter solstice yes because people want a thing to happen there so whether it was a specific like here's this holiday and we're co-opting it or it was like just oh yeah this is a great time to have a celebration and then finding these pagan I'm sure it was just like the Corinthians were off wherever they were they were doing their thing and they're like oh we should just do the same thing we've been doing right at the same time. We always have celebrations at this time. Let's just, we're going to Jesus it up. Right. So maybe like the church didn't do it, but people did it for sure. People were blending the holidays. I mean, people still do. Yeah. There are undoubtedly Christmas traditions that are pagan traditions. That's not up for discussion. It just is. But not according to the church. They don't like it. Why would a shepherd be herding in December? It doesn't make any sense. <sighs> I don't know enough about that part of the world, I guess, even know. We should, we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd on the show. Uh, <laughs> three, Christmas is the second oldest Christian annual celebration. Do you know what the first one would be? Uh, Easter? Yeah. 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 The death because was pretty happening. Like we all saw that one happen. He was kind of famous at 33. Versus who was there when he was born. Apparently nobody worth anything. <laughs> some shepherds and some sheep. The kings didn't get there for a while. And according to my little son, my older son went to a Jewish preschool, but my younger son is going to a, a preschool loosely affiliated with a very progressive church. They're not super Christian-y, but they do say grace before their snack. And then also they do celebrate Christmas. And anyway, he told me recently he read a book about an owl and baby Jesus. It didn't even occur to me that he would be learning about baby Jesus. Of course he would. Sure. I guess there was an owl there, according to this book. And according to my two-year-old. <laughs> I haven't seen any owls in any nativity scenes. <laughs> this next one, it says, Christmas is not one day long. It is also not 12 days long. Is it all of Advent to like, is it the sixth through the sixth, like Nicholas to Epiphany? Yeah, I think you are getting close to it. So it says, many think of the 12 days of Christmas, but the Christmas season is actually variable in length, depending on how soon a Sunday occurs after January 6th. The official rule for when it begins and ends, Christmas time runs from the first Vespers, mm -hmm. which is evening prayer of the nativity of the Lord, up to it, including the Sunday after Epiphany or after January 6th. That's when you get to take your Christmas tree down after the Epiphany. But this says the Sunday after the Epiphany. It's all very confusing. Because you have to wait till Mass. That makes sense. In some places, that's Three Kings Day, too. Yes. We Three Kings. What Christmas Masses are celebrated and does there have to be a Midnight Mass? There's no mandated Mass at midnight, turns out. I could never stay up that late. The few times I went to Midnight Mass, I did enjoy it because there is something special about doing something like that at midnight. If I were to go to a Mass now, that is a type I would. I don't even think they offer that around here, but I could be wrong. They probably do offer it around here, but I don't think I'm going this year. Maybe one day I would. So it says the Vigil Mass of the Nativity is used on the evening of December 24th. And then on the day of the Nativity of the Lord, Mass may be celebrated three times in the night, dawn, and during the day. Oh. I didn't know there was all those rules about it, but apparently there are. Of course there are. Um, Christmas has its own octave which is not music related. I was like, oh, do we sing in a certain yeah. octave? It's a period of eight days that begins on Christmas Day. And so this is how I knew the St. Stephen's Day because I had seen this. So there's a Sunday or December 30th is the Feast of the Holy Family. Uh huh. December 26th is the Feast of St. Stephen, the first martyr. That's right. The 27th is the Feast of St. John Apostle and Evangelist. Mm -hmm. The 28th is the Feast of the Holy Innocents. 
Oh. And then 29, 30, and 31 are just included, but they're not any kind of feast. And then there's January 1st is the Nativity of the Lord, the Solemnity of Mary, and the commemoration of the conferral of the most holy name of Jesus. I don't... He get named that day? I don't know. I guess. Okay. And his name was, you know, Yeshua. Yeah. <laughs> it seems so interesting in the Bible that there's like five names that everyone is named and then Jesus gets his own. Oh, yeah. Wasn't the case. No. The Sundays of Christmas are apparently also special. Like Advent or after? After. So they're like extra important. The Sunday falling after January 6th is the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. But that's- Sorry, I have to interrupt real quick. Did you ever get so... I used to dread this. Like if Christmas was on Saturday or something, so you'd have to go to Christmas mass and then you'd have to go to Sunday yes. mass like the next day. And I'm like, oh, why doesn't it count? Right. You're like, can't this just count? Or I remember no. going to like a wedding and being like, can't this just count? Like on a weekend, can't this count as mass? It was like, gotta no. go the next day. Yeah, because you're not getting the readings and whatever that is for that week. It's so annoying. I know. Especially, it was like the very next day. I was like, come on. <laughs> this says, what is the epiphany? Do you know what the epiphany is? Uh, I mean, it's when the wise men came? It is. According to the catechism, the epiphany is the manifestation of Jesus as Messiah of Israel, son of God, and savior of the world. Isn't that what they, they were like? Here are the gifts. You're our king. Yes. And it also says in the Magi and the wise men, representatives of the neighboring pagan religions... The gospel sees the first fruits of the nations who welcome the good news of salvation through incarnation. So the magi, the kings or the wise men are like the pagans who also recognize that Jesus is a big deal. And it's like saying, yeah, one day pagans are going to be into this guy too. It's not just the Jews. Were yours, your wise men and your nativity scene growing up not white? Because those were always our not white people. If there was a not white person, it was like at least one of the wise men. They were like shades of brown. Ours were all different shades of brown. I was like, ooh, where'd they come from? Which is extra confusing. Yeah. I feel like now there's these conversations of like, you'll see a brown Jesus and you'll be people like, well, why do we need this? It's like, because literally everyone grows up with white Jesus to the point where they show outsiders as not white. Yes, exactly. The people who came from afar or now I am the pagans. Are the only people with brown skin? That's not true. It's just not true. (laughs) This is why a kid in my class in first grade thought Jesus spoke English. So that's what the Catholics have to say about just some fun facts about what Catholics think about Christmas. But I was also interested in maybe things that we think are true and are not so true. Ooh. So here we go, Steph. Some of these are, I would say, easier ones and some might be tougher. Okay. Does the Bible say that Jesus was born on December 25th? No. No. It says some historians believe it was a Christian reaction to a Roman pagan holiday, while others believe the date is a response to the traditional date of Jesus' crucifixion in March. Yeah, there is a thing about like counting backwards from Easter, I believe, like when you would- They can't have everything happen at the same time of the year. Right. Well, and also I think it has something to do, it's like either it was a pagan holiday or it has to do with like kind of like astrology, I think, and like dates and apocryphal things about like at what time of year- compared to when he was going to die. Also, like, the calendars have changed how how many times since... No one knows the dates of it. Yeah, no. So it's just, you know, just what we chose. Okay, does the Bible say Mary rode into Bethlehem on a donkey? Ooh. 
I'm going to go with yes. No. What? It doesn't specifically say she's on a donkey, but for some reason, that's like the image we all see. Do you think it's because people were depicting it and everyone was like, it looks just looks really mean having this pregnant woman walk around. <laughs> Walking. How else would she get? I mean, she had to go really far. I don't know. What else? What were uh, her other options? It says, okay, so this is Luke. I'm looking it up. One to six. They talk about the census, right? So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David because he belonged to the house in the line of David he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child while they were there the time came for the baby to be born so he just says he went there with Mary that's literally all it says right next one does the Bible say there were three wise men oh my gosh I feel like it's one of those things I'm like of course that's true and now I'm like who made this up okay I'm gonna because I've learned how much the church has lied to me, I'm going to say no. <laughs> but I really felt like it's true. I thought it was true, too. It doesn't. So all it says is there were wise men. There were magi. And they brought three gifts. But we have all assumed that meant one p- gift per person. But they could have gone in on the uh, gifts. Or it could have been two guys. It could have been ten guys. We don't know. We only I know, know there were thing. three gifts. I think we, as Americans, were like, well, everyone brought one gift, obviously. <laughs> obviously we don't know how many there were i thought there were even like names for them it's like malachor or something or we just make those up i think we did at a certain point yeah get out of dodge nothing is real (laughs) those that eventually prevailed are gaspar or caspar melchior and balthazar malchior yeah who decided this looks like it might have been a middle ages thing okay but in middle ages most people believe that three magi visited the christ oh so since the middle ages people decided it was three and that they were kings who symbolized the three ages of man in keeping with matthew's account of the magi journeying from the east writers first suggested the kings were persian later commenters proposed they represented the three known continents europe asia and africa from a wide assortment of names suggested for the magi those i don't know who so who suggested them those that eventually prevailed were gaspar melchior and balthazar they voted on it it's like american idol for the (laughs) it was just things people said it wasn't actually based on anything so my husband recently mentioned that learning more about the catholic church is giving him he's it's making him feel more valid about the mormon church he's like you can just decide things now everyone's just deciding i decide these names i decide it is true and i think mormonism is one that because it's a younger religion, there's something about things being old that we just decide, oh, this is truer. But because Mormonism was birthed within the beginning of the country we live in for Americans, it's like, oh, that's right. too recent. None of that is real. It's obviously, fa- but objectively, it's not much different. The stories aren't much different than a lot of the other stories. Religion is just people deciding things to believe in. Clearly, it keeps coming up. Like, we don't know which parts are true. We, we certainly don't. <laughs> No, we don't know which parts are even based in the Bible. Right? I think Catholics is particularly a thing because we don't read the Bible. Well, yeah. But I bet if you asked a lot of people, just a lot of like random Americans who celebrate Christmas, how many wise men there were in the Bible, a lot of people will say three. Yeah. Three. And they'd give you their names. I'm going to rename them. Oh, you should. Rename them. Let's see. <laughs> what were the original ones? Balthazar, Melchior, and... Melchior, Balthazar, and Casper. Casper. Well, Casper I might keep because we'll... Casper the Friendly Ghost, but he has goes by the Friendly Ghost now. Uh, let's see what else. And Bob. And <laughs> my kids and I always name things Bob, so I really love that. Bob is perfect. 
And let's see what else. I don't know. I can't think of the good one. And yeah, Bob and Dan. Dan, Bob, <laughs> and Casper the Friendly Ghost are the three wise men now. I'm into it. Much easier to pronounce. Sorry, I went off on some tangents. No, no. That is that is not a tangent. That's deeply important. <laughs> Steph, does the Bible say the star hovered over the manger? Yes. Otherwise, how would anyone find them? So, no. The Magi were given a star that first led them to Jerusalem and then Bethlehem. And then the whole thing where King Herod gave a command that all babies in the region younger than two should be killed. That is so messed up. Right. That is so traumatic. And we just, again, we hear it in church. We're like, okay, just kill the babies. And then it's like Jesus flees. But like, okay, what about all those other babies? Oh, they're gone. Does this suggest that Jesus had been in Bethlehem for some time at this point? So he's like older. It says under two, right? So at that point, he could have been like a year old. So the star came later. There wasn't necessarily like hovering over the actual place. Okay, Steph. Does the Bible say that Jesus was born in a barn or stable? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Stable. Neither. The only thing it says is that. Mary laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the end. That's it. What a word you hear as a child. The only time you ever hear that word. (laughs) Manger, right? And isn't that like, wait, okay. Do you know the definition of manger? So it says here that a manger is a feeding trough for animals. It's not even like the straw bed. No, yeah, it's specifically just the trough. But it says here, these feeding troughs were also commonly used inside homes because families would seep upstairs while the animals were kept downstairs. And this is something I remember reading one of these things floating around the internet last year. It was a reframing of the Christmas story that maybe instead of saying, there's no room, here's a barn, that this person said, there's no room, come stay at my house. Oh. Which is a different kind of lovely. Yeah. Because it was some person talking about historically what houses look like at that part of the world and saying that there would be animals below and then people above. So they were sort of like staying in someone's house, which is much nicer than saying like, you have to go sleep in the barn. Yeah. Baby there. So they do say something about the manger and that there was no room at the inn, but we've created all the additional context around that. Got it. Steph, does the Bible say there was a little drummer boy? <sighs> I'd have to go with no, because <laughs> nothing makes sense anymore. There's no drummer boy. It's just, I think it was just the song someone wrote. And then there's the, the movie and everything. It's a great song, though. <laughs> it is a good song. I've actually always loved that song. The thing of a little kid being like, this is what I can give. I remember as a kid finding that very endearing, that that was all he had. Mm-hmm. Now there are a lot of memes, especially in mom groups, about the idea of just giving birth in a stable and then some kid comes starts playing drums next year sleeping infant (laughs) get out (laughs) like this is great but if you could stop that kid from playing drums the baby just fell asleep (laughs) does the bible say jesus was born in zero a.d uh no no because that wasn't a thing there wasn't that calendar it wasn't a thing and also historians place herod's death at around 4 bc so it seems as though a more proper estimate i'm reading of jesus birth would have been sometimes between 4 bc and 6 bc okay so when that common era of when christ was born was created they didn't quite get it okay this truth about the bible and christmas thing is from relevant magazine which is a christian magazine i think it has a little bit of a moderate to progressive bent i think i could be wrong on that i'm sure they've Mm. done lots of annoying things because uh that's what happens people do that so at the end of this kind of myth busting article they say saying mary xmas is taking christ out of christmas right but they actually say that's not true because x stands for although some people may be deliberate in their attempts the statement by itself is not offensive the first letter of the greek word for christ is chai in the roman alphabet chai is represented by the symbol x take that tucker carlson (laughs) 
Right. Well, and they actually add another one here saying happy holidays is taking Christ out of Christmas. And they say that's also not true. Thank you. They say holiday literally means holy day. (laughs) Celebrating the birth of Jesus definitely makes it a holy day, which, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is a holiday and it is a holy day if you want to think of it that way. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, that's good clarification to take to your family dinners. Yeah, I know. Right. Listen, uncle, whoever. No, I don't feel like that one's going to come up. Uh, Who knows? You never know. If it does, friends, if it does, listeners, you've got that. It's a holy day. (laughs) There you go. That's like now I, again, know nothing about anything. I learned all made up things at CCD, I guess. Yeah. I'm to the point where I still like a lot of it. I think it's cool to be into it. It's a beautiful story. It is. And my aunt gave me a couple years ago for my kids a book called Refuge. It's a children's picture book, although I think it's lovely just like as a Christmas picture book to have around by Anne Booth for folks who are into the Christmas story with their kids but are maybe looking for a more social justice event. It's told from the point of view of the donkey. Who wasn't even there. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> But it includes their fleeing Mm. once Herod, again, like it shows a little baby. And, you know, at that point, Jesus might have been like two, but it includes their fleeing and being welcomed as refugees. Well, that's true. Right. And I think some of the proceeds went to some refugee organization. Oh, plug for that book. And maybe we'll, I don't have a. I was trying to think of an organization for us to to plug this week. International Rescue Committee. I'll put the link in our show notes. In honor of Jesus and his family having to flee at the time of his birth. Middle Eastern refugees. Yep. Think about all the other little babies. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Steph, I hope you have a great holiday. Merry Christmas, Anne. Holy day. A holy day. Yes. Merry Christmas. And listeners, hope you all have a lovely holiday whichever one Mm -hmm. you celebrate or don't uh and we would love to know about any christmas traditions that you might be having sharing holding i'm curious if there are catholic adjacent traditions that people have that we maybe aren't as familiar with oftentimes where your family's origins right there might be different christmas traditions from that place so i would love to hear uh, other folks share those things love it hit us up on social please do all right steph and also with you also with you Anne. 